0: from the Lord and and um, take them to heart. Uh, She's a good woman and a woman of faith who who wants to be obedient to the Lord. I'm sorry I didn't mean to embarrass you, but I love you and uh, may God use you this morning. Well, good morning. Isn't it wonderful to be in a place where we can invite the Holy Spirit to come be with us, be a part of our lives, not just here But in our homes, in our cars, uh, wherever we are, you know, calling on the God of Jacob, fill us here, fill us now. So um, most of you are familiar with me, just a wee bit. Um, I don't know that anybody's ever really heard my, you've heard parts of my testimony. And then there are a lot of people who may not know me at all. So um, I'll just go back to the beginning a little um, I'm Susan, uh, almost 56 years old, and I've been going to church since I was three. Um, gave my heart, went to Jesus at Bible school when I was five, and then again at 10 at church camp just to make sure that it stuck. Um, and the Lord has really blessed me. Um, I know for some, some folks, um, they need proof. Uh, the work of faith is hard for them because it's hard for them to just believe what the Bible says about Jesus. Um, I am really blessed because I'm not one of those people. Um, When they taught me that Jesus would never leave me or forsake me, I believed it. Um, When they taught about Moses parting the Red Sea, I believed it. Um, And so I, I, I never really doubted him. I didn't and, you know, life has not been uh, a straight path, uh, but I never, I never worried that um, what was around the corner was um, gonna be out of control. Maybe may have been out of my control, but not his. And so I knew that he would take care of me and my family. Um, he has been so faithful. Uh, from my, my dad worked at General Motors in Anderson, Indiana. And so every three years, uh, when they would negotiate a new contract, they would get laid off. And so um, my dad always found a job. He might've stacked stock shelves at Cook's supermarket on the bypass at night. Um, And the Lord was faithful to provide every single time. Um, uh, In the 80s, when everything shut down, uh, General Motors wise, um, he, the Lord provided for our family again and again. We never lost our home. We always had what we needed. Didn't have the Adidas tennis shoes or the Jordash jeans that I really, really wanted. But I had shoes and I had pants. And um, they were difficult days. Um, but the Lord provided. And so I, I'm going to share a few of these things with you. And it's important because um, it isn't just... Me that has them we all have if we've walked with the Lord even a little bit we have what I call um, spiritual markers and those are places in, in life that you kind of plant plant a flag the Lord was here this is where the Lord worked in my life this is where the Lord provided this is where I was broken and he allowed it for my deeper healing not every time that life throws us a curveball Um, is he just going to fix it? Uh, He always looks, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, but he always looks at the whole picture and what can he use this situation for to bring glory to, uh, to him in our hearts and also to bring us healing from the chains that either have been put on us or we have put on ourselves. And he uses everything for our good. So he has been faithful. Um, as I grew older, I um, was a teenager and a young adult, still went to church, still was faithful in attending, but I really took him for granted. And I can say, um, ashamedly, that I took, um, I did not take my faith seriously. Um, I, I still believed everything I believed. I still, I didn't doubt him, I didn't question him, but my actions, my behaviors um, did not reflect Jesus in my life. And, and so I went through a lot of turmoil and trouble because I made choices that were apart from his will in my life. And um, I hadn't planned to share this, but I, I will just briefly. One of the ways um, that I coped um, in not choosing to follow Jesus in my life, is that I um, began to try to control my eating. So I wasn't controlling my behavior, but I was controlling something in my life. And I controlled what I put in my mouth. So I I spent several years um, struggling with a chain that was around my neck. And it actually felt like that. It was something that I found comfort in. It was something that made me unique, you know? I was skinnier than everybody in my family. I got a lot of attention because my mom was always wanting me to eat, and she made sure everybody at the company we worked at checked in on me and reported back to her whether I ate that day or not. And so it it was just this vicious cycle. And um, eventually the Lord brought me out of that. Um, I had to come to a place where I was like, you know what, this, I don't want to be in chains, in bondage to this. And, you know, when I go through hard times in life now whether they're of my own making or they come to me um, guess what my first response is that's what I want to do but the Lord has freed me and I'm walking with him and I refuse to let Satan back in where the Lord kicked him out so anyway um, that is another one of my spiritual markers So my active faith life, where I began to take it serious, didn't really actually happen until I was about 30. And I remember one of the first times he called, backing up from the 30. Doug and I were married when I was 25 and he was 27. And um, we were engaged to be married, and I was getting nervous about moving here. And because it's four and a half hours away from my family, I'd never lived more than 20 minutes away from them, and all in a my whole life almost in a whole small area in the Anderson, Indiana area. Um, So I I wasn't questioning him, but I was questioning here because this was a big unknown and I really like things to stay the same. And they had in my life because my family is like that. My family, my mom and dad still live in the same house I grew up in and we moved there when I was 10. So almost 46 years they've lived there. Um, Anyway, that's a bit of trivia. So anyway, I'm really struggling with this. And one Sunday um, at the church I grew up at, the pastor was preaching about the Israelites and how they had gone round and round and round. And they were faithful to the Lord. And then they weren't faithful to the Lord. And they heard the Lord. And then they ignored the Lord. And they never made it to the promised land. He delivered them from the Egyptians, but he never, they didn't trust him enough to cross the river to go to the promised land. And I distinctly heard him say, one of the first times, he said, Susan, if you don't go to Talmadge, you will miss the promised land that I have made for you. I was like, well, who can argue with that? Because I knew that he was faithful. I know, even though I had strayed, I knew that he had a plan because he had taken care of us my whole life. And so um, I trusted him. And so here we are, 30 years later. So for me, that was stepping in a boat in a storm, like Pastor Chuck has been talking about. It was a very big storm. And it took about nine months once I got here for that storm to calm down and for me to really begin to. And I held on to him pretty tight. Um, but still, it was a rough time. Um, And so, um, you know, I was growing in the Lord, but I still hadn't really taken responsibility for the growth in my faith. I was faithful, I served here. Um, So a few years later, and the Lord was asking me to serve in a way that would require me to take my faith walk really seriously. And through a friend, he said, in order for you to be a part of this way that I want you to serve, he wants you to know that you have got to be as close to him as you can possibly be. Now, that doesn't mean showing up on Sunday. Hallelujah, praise the Lord, and go home. That means every single day. You've got to sit at his feet. You've got to hear his word. You've got to memorize some of his words so that when you need prayer, you can pray the scripture. And... Um, And I'm like, that was so foreign to me. I, you know, I grew up in a wonderful church. The gospel was preached. And maybe because I really wasn't focused in, I wasn't tuned in, I don't remember being taught how to pray the scripture. It probably was preached that way. I just didn't get it. Um, But I was beginning to. And um, so anyway, so I began. And I had... um, I had a mentor um, I had who was teaching me what I needed to know how to pray what I needed to know about the faithfulness of Lord of the Lord in in the current day not as a child because you know your faith as a child is different than your faith as you've walked with him and you grow older now if you're new in the faith you 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 the scripture says that you kind of are like an infant because you don't you don't like take in all the deepness of God you're just learning who he is and so um but as you walk with him whether you started at three years old or whether you started at 33 years old or 63 years old you you grow as you go and so um the serious part of my journey began. So, Pastor Chuck has been teaching us about the storms of life and how Jesus is in the midst of them. So, this is another spiritual marker, but this is one of the big storms in my life that I can say He delivered me from. So, in the early days of our marriage, we traveled a lot. We still travel a lot, but in those days, I hated it. Um, I, I just about April every year, I would start getting full of anxiety. I mean, just couldn't function. And to the point sometimes where I would just be on the couch, like in a fetal position, trying to figure out how I was going to get packed and get out of the house. Because I really wanted to see my family, who lives where Camp Meeting was. Um, and I just, it was, it was a, a real battle, a, a suffocating battle every single year. A frustrating battle for Doug. <laughs> and uh, finally one spring, I mean, this went on for years. And finally one spring, I was like, you know what, God? And I had been growing in him, and I had been in a relationship with him daily, and so we had an easy communion, an easy way of talking, and I said, you know, I'm really sick of this. I really want to be free of this. Can you tell me what is going on here? What is the root of all of this fear and anxiety and the trembling and the weeping and gnashing of teeth and you know all the things that when we he's and he got me you know and he he provided he didn't say you know I'd like to say I went to bed that night on my knees lord please reveal your glory and what's going on here and I woke up in the morning and I was renewed and set free that didn't happen it took months it took the whole summer, actually, and probably into the fall. And um, what he finally revealed, it, it was a journey. I had to sit with him. The title is of the talk today is Sitting with Jesus. And that's what we have to do. I mean, it's a journey, but we got to sit with him. And it isn't all about us talking. He wants to hear what we have to say. He wants to hear our our requests, our burdens, our our prayers for others, but he really, really wants to be heard. And so when we sit with him and we be quiet, you might not recognize his voice at first, but if you practice it every day, you say, Lord, what do you want me to know today? He'll begin to talk to you and you will hear, and it'll be really quiet. It'll be, for me, it's very short and sweet, very direct, and, um, and I understand what he's saying, you know. And if I'm doubting, I'm like, okay, are, is this you? And I'm like, Satan, get out of my head if you're there, because you always are. And, Lord, I want to hear what you have to say. So I had to also relinquished my control on my circumstance, on my storm. Because I thought if I white-knuckled it and held on, then, you know, I would make it through. That's why I did this so many years over and over again. And so I let go of it and I asked him for help. And through prayer, I also had some counseling and encouragement from Doug and friends. And the Lord began to reveal that I had had some losses that were out of my control over my life that I hadn't even remembered. Um, Nothing horrible like any abuse or anything like that, but losses of, for instance, I went to church camp when I was 10 and I came home and my cat had gotten run over. Not a big deal, right? Well, somewhere that had planted a seed and it got matched up with the loss of a loss of a relative and a loss of a friend and a loss of this until I had this whole place in my soul where I was holding them. And somehow I had come to the conclusion that if I stayed here, then everything here would be fine. Nothing would go bad and I wouldn't lose anybody else. And which is ridiculous. I'm not that powerful, <laughs> but in my mind, that's what that, those losses had spoken to me, those lies. And so when he started to show me that and he started, and there were people even in this town who I, I hadn't been gone when I lost them, but they had passed on like our good friend, Pauline Carpenter, which many of you know, she was 93 or 92. My neighbor across the street, she was younger than me and she died of sarcoma. You know, there wasn't anything I could do to change that or fix it or bring her, them back, but it was a loss. And I just thought that I could handle it and I couldn't. So I needed to, st- I needed to make sure everything was okay. And I'm not powerful, but Jesus is, you know? And I had to learn that in my absence, he is present for everything that I may worry about. So it wasn't easy. You know, I'm talking very calmly here. Um, But if you've ever been in a a place where you feel broken, where something's happening and you know the Lord is with you and he's going to do something deeper, he's just not going to fix the situation, you realize It ain't pretty. It's painful. It's ugly. You may ugly cry. You may ugly, like a freight train comes out of your mouth. I don't know. I have big feelings. Do you have big feelings? (laughs) And so, um, but he's so faithful. And that's what I want you to know is that no matter what our circumstance is, no matter what trauma you may have been through or what choice took you away from the Lord, he's faithful. There's, there's a term that I learned from Debbie Jackson. It's called prevenient grace. And what that means is that God's grace is he offers it to us even before we have come to him. So he pursues us to give us that. And so even if you've gone astray or even if you're hiding from him or you're hiding from your fears or your feelings or your circumstance, he's pursuing you. And at some point, he will get so close but still be a gentleman that you'll feel his presence and you'll know that he has nothing but the good for you and he wants to set you free. So, um, you know, in those days I was, uh, I had seen him do healing in others and I knew that it took a long time sometimes, especially when it's a spiritual healing because not only does he want you to be healed, but he wants you to know who he is. He wants you to know how deep his love is for us, how much mercy and grace he wants to lavish on us. And so I, you know, it was just part of the process. Well, as I've gotten older, um, I still know that's a process, but I'm older, I like things to take a little less time. And so I've become kind of a bottom line girl, you know, very pragmatic, let's get from A to B, and no, like this in between. Well, that's all he does. That's his way. Healing here, 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 here. Oh, yeah, and let's check this out. And he doesn't do it all at once to overwhelm you, but it's, that's why it's a process, because he's gentle. So my, one of my favorite verses, my go-to verses in times of storms or trials, is Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And I always follow up with being the bottom-line girl. And if you could let me know by tomorrow noon what you want me to do, prune me, mold me, I'll relinquish something, I'll give up control, I'll say I'm sorry, whatever it is, if you could just let me know what that is by tomorrow, I'm good. Well, of course, he never does that. That is not his way at all. And plus, I am not in the driver's seat. He is. So... um, Let's, let's turn to 1 Peter 1.5. Uh, if you've got your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn. Or no, 1 Peter 5.10, excuse me. And I really need my glasses now. Could you get them? They're right there. So I got this Bible for Christmas. I'd ask for it. Large print. Because I can't see. Worth a lick when I'm reading. Um, But they they really want to cater to a woman's sense of pride. And so this is enhanced reading, enhanced letters, not large print. So I'm reading from my enhanced lettered Bible. Okay. So it says, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be power forever and ever. Amen. So the the book of 1 Peter um, is a letter written to the Gentile Christians. It reminds them that they are chosen by God and they have a future hope in Jesus. And each chapter there um, speaks of Trials or suffering, storms. Um, And some of it, uh, how to expect it, why to expect it. Of course, as Christians, we know that we may suffer because we're Christians. Um, But it also speaks to the suffering we just experience, the storms in life we experience as human beings. So it says, after you have suffered a little while. That tells me there's nothing quick fix about it, right? After you've suffered, after you've gone through. Now don't get me wrong, I don't believe and I don't think scripture tells us that Jesus comes up with these things to make us suffer. But he does use what comes in our life, whether it's whatever way it comes, whatever form, he does use it to draw us to him to teach us who He is, and to tell us, to show us who we are in Him, who He created us to be. Because we, in our own form, are not who He created us to be. We're sinful, We just by our very nature. And He is perfect, and His power is made perfect in us. And He, after we have suffered a while, He will make us strong, firm, and steadfast. Now, if you're an athlete, do you get strong, firm, and steadfast like with a week at the gym, a couple days walking the trail? No. These are things that are earned. These are things that are plowed into. These are things that we dig into, that we have to make a commitment to. And he's committed to us. We have to be the ones to commit to him and say, again, Lord, I need you. Step into this storm with me. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be this way anymore. I don't want my circumstance to be this way anymore. So show me who I am. Show me what I need to do. And I'm willing to let, I'm taking my hands off and letting you work in my life. And he does. He does. So it's not his job to rescue us. It's his job to abide with us. That's what he does. He sits with us. He holds us. He encourages us. You see, the sweetest times in your life will be when you are desperate without him and then held by him. We find the depth, the strength of his love, mercy, and grace in our weakest moment, and then he shows us who we are in him. So after you've suffered, the one who calls you will make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Who doesn't want that? Who likes to go around feeling beat down, wounded, weak, kicked down by life in some kind of bondage or stronghold? None of us like that. And that's not his will for us. He makes us strong firm and steadfast when we've been in his presence when we've invited him into our storm when we've allowed him into our trial then that is what happens as we go through the journey we want a way out though he gives us a way through we don't want to endure the pain and he holds us in the midst of it we panic and Jesus says peace be still There are many different kinds of trials and suffering. Some are made of our own sin and unwise choices. Others are because of another's wounding and unexpected loss. There really is no limit to what qualifies as a storm. So how do we in our human nature deal with them? There are a myriad of addictions that we're familiar with. But we use these too. And Donnie, if you could bring up that first clip. Um, This is called, well, it is spinning plates, but... This is a phrase I use when I get too busy. It's like I'm spinning plates today. How many of you remember seeing those types of things on variety shows? Probably if you're over 50, you remember that. Um, and uh, somewhere near there. Um, and that comes to my mind all the time when I get committed to too many things or the day has just gotten out of control and I say I'm spinning plates. And so that that's kind of a, you know, you can use it for that. And But here, I want to uh, use it in a little bit different way. Um, I call spinning plates when you keep yourself so busy that you can't, that, so you don't have to let Jesus in. You keep yourself so busy because you're hurting or you have hurt. And so if you keep yourself busy and spin, 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 you don't have time to think about it. It doesn't have, you think, it doesn't have the ability to affect you. But when you close that off, when you spin enough plates that you have all your stuff is over here somewhere, you also push Jesus out somewhere over here. And so you are not, he's not accessible to you because you have used a coping mechanism to block him off. Um, And then... um, Number two, I call this one Dragon Baggage. Some of you might really like this one. World's Strongest Man 2019. The first of the qualifying round, the truck pull. And you know, when you pull heavy trucks, if one monster truck is not enough, we're using two. 25,000 pounds down the course. Pretty fun, huh? It'd <laughs> be fun to watch, especially if you're a monster truck fan. Um, but I, I picked this one because um, this one, in my, I, as I was thinking about speaking today, I'm thinking about the ways that we um, try to ride out our storms by ourselves. This came to my mind. Um, so this one is you've built up such a load of unresolved emotions, relationships, hurts, but they're from a while back. And so you're dragging them around, and you might not even realize it. So just like that one guy, um, one of the guys, you know, he threw his arms up in the air, he was able to do it, and he won. But what I really want you to focus on is the one who was pulling and pulling and pulling, and he kept stumbling. And that's what happens with us. When we have so much built-up baggage, and we haven't invited the Lord into the midst of it, what happens is... All you know is that you're tired of being tired and you can't find joy in everyday life because you're exhausted from carrying all the unresolved, all the unresolved anything. And, um, you know, who wants to be pulling a couple monster trucks around full of, full of unresolved things from our life? So this next one, um, I couldn't come up with a clever name for it, but I'll just say um, this one is about packing. So, Donnie, the last one. Okay, so this one isn't a video. This is just an image. And you can see um, there's boxes in the background. Um, And then you can see one side of the brain is free. The other side of the brain is very compartmentalized. And so we were, Doug and I were looking up what compartmentalizing means, you know, in our everyday life. And it it can be a good thing in terms of being able to multitask, to deal with one thing here, and then to deal with another thing here. But what I want to look at is when we stuff and compartmentalize and lock away like a safe deposit box, the things that are in our lives. And we might not even know we, that they're there. We might, we might, well, we do know that they're there, but we've put them there. And we don't want them to get out because it will make our current day crash. We can't function in any way. We can't pull it. We can't lift it. And when this happens, you appear to have it all together, and you might think you do. But the reality is, is that you're not free. Your soul's not free, because it's full of those packed boxes of unresolved issues, unresolved relationships, all these things, all the things that we encounter, things that we've hidden, that we've done, that we don't want anybody to know. We don't even want, we don't even want to talk about it with Jesus. That's in some compartment. And so I would say the free side is the side that where Jesus wants us to be. The left side, the compartmentalized side, okay, let's give that some credit, and that is how we deal with normal everyday life. That's how we can go to work and then go get groceries and then come home and feed the family and and take care of the yard. Those you kind of have to compartmentalize because you can't think about mowing the yard and feeding your kids while you're at work because you gotta be working. But those boxes in the background, those are the things that need to be offloaded. Those are the things that you need to give the good shepherd like a box knife to go un- open them up so one by one, he does it gently so that you can be set free from the things that you've locked away. The problem with all of these is that we be- it makes us believe we're alone. It makes us believe that we are carrying our load, whatever it is, and however we're carrying it, we're carrying it alone, and, but we're not. Just like the disciples in the boat last week. You know, they're panicking. They, they want out of that boat. They want Jesus to wake up. But do they bother to ask him to wake up? Do they, hey, you, we got a storm here. We know you can do something about it. But we're, we're just going to emote that you need to wake up and help us. You know, we think because God knows everything in here, and he does, that he should just be able to read our mind and do what we need. But that is not the relationship he wants. He wants a give and take. He wants us to rely on him. He wants to, us to step out of whoever we are and ask him for help. Because maybe you grew up and you weren't allowed to ask for help. And you had to be strong. And you had to make it on your own. And you're self-sufficient. Or maybe you take pride in being self-sufficient because you're very good at the things that you do in everyday life that doesn't wash with a relationship with Jesus. We're not supposed to be self-sufficient, he is. He's the sufficient one for us. So he is with us in all things, but we don't get the benefit of his presence because we don't ask for help. He's always there, he's right there, just like he was in the boat. But they didn't get the benefit of his peace. They didn't get the benefit of his peace be still to the storm because they didn't ask. I'm guilty of this sometimes. I don't ask because I know if I ask him that I'm gonna have to feel my big feels. I don't want to. Um, But at some point, if you're gonna have an intimate close relationship with him and at some point, if you're going to be set free from the things that bind you, you have to feel the feels. You have to walk the painful walk. It doesn't mean it's always painful, And like I said, in the midst of all that is the sweetest moments with him. I found out, I always thought that the 23rd psalm was the funeral psalm. I I just didn't like it. I never heard it unless it was at a funeral. And I, yay, through I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Well, I was going through a storm many years ago, and Doug sent me that scripture. And it humbled me because it wasn't about a funeral it was about the part of me that was dying that needed to go and it was about the peaceful stream on my living room floor where he held me so that i could be healed turn to second corinthians 12:9 as we wrap up it says But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you because my power is made in weakness. My weakness and your weakness. His power is perfect when we're weak. When we are strong, when we make ourselves strong, when we plow, when we, you know, pull up our bootstraps, he's still strong but he's not strong in our weakness because we haven't let him be there. His power is made perfect in us when we get out of his way and ask him for help. At one point in my life, um, I went through an intense season of grieving. I kept turning in my mind. I don't know if you've ever done this, but I felt like it was a movie where I kept looking, is this the way out of it? Is this the way out of it? Is this the way? And I kept turning, 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 turning in my mind constantly, long period of time. And I couldn't find any way out of it. And I I kept saying to the Lord, will you please release me from this? I, I can't bear it any longer. It's too much. And you know what he said? He said, Susan, you're gonna have to sit In this one, for a while. You're going to have to sit with this grief for a while. Now, why would he say that? It was terrible. It was awful. It was debilitating. It was suffocating. But he said, you're going to have to sit with it for a while. Because he knew, for my best, for the betterment of me, there was no easy way out of it. He could have snapped his fingers and said, you're done, grieving is over, you didn't need to learn anything, you have no idea anything new about who I am, but you don't feel bad anymore. That is not what he does, let me tell you. But what he said was, when you're done, you'll know it, you'll stand up, you'll dust yourself off, and you will move forward. All right, I'm waiting for that. Day after day, week after week, month after month, when am I going to stand up and dust myself off? And many months this lasted until one day I was talking, sharing with two of my friends who are my mentors that I could see some progress in my journey. And I I was really glad about that. Um, I wasn't in the pit where I had been before, and I was beginning to breathe a little bit. And after I got in my car to go home, I distinctly heard him say, you never have to have that conversation again. And the crushing, suffocating sorrow was gone. The vice that was on my heart was loosed. I didn't do it. If I'd had my way, I would have white-knuckled it all the way through it, put it somewhere in a vault, drug it forever, spun plates. I would have done it all. I would have stopped eating again. I would have put my finger down my throat so that I didn't have to deal with this situation. He didn't let me. He said, you need to sit with this. And because I know him to be faithful and I know him not to leave me or you in any storm alone or forever, I knew I could trust him. I had to cooperate with him, and I had to relinquish my will. So this is the thing. This is the reason for me sharing it. It's not so you know more about me. It helps because you know how Lord has been faithful. That's why I shared what I have, to let you know who he is, who he has been to me in my life. So I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if you're in a storm. I don't know if you are dragging baggage I don't know if you've packed a whole bunch of boxes and locked them away. I don't know if you have created a life for yourself that is so busy that you can't hear his voice, that you don't want to deal with what is inside of you. And trust me, we all have it. We live on a, in a fallen world. Not one of us has grown up from infancy to where we are today without something that has been we've put in our rucksack. It just happens that way. We're not equipped, we don't know how to deal with the things that come in our life. We don't know how to navigate the storms, but he does. So maybe you use all those, or maybe you use other coping mechanisms to hide and to mask and to deaden what's going on in your life. But maybe today, you relinquish your will for his Today is a good day to cooperate with him so he can navigate your journey. You might have to ride in the boat in the storm for longer than you'd like. It might be more painful than you want to feel. It might be embarrassing. You might have to cry in front of someone, or you might have to share your story with someone. But I will tell you this. That's where he is. He's right beside you. He's riding the storm with you, and he'll ride it until it's over. And the only way it's going to get over is if you acknowledge him and ask him to help. So that's my prayer for you today. That's why I shared all of this, because he's been faithful to me so many times. So many times, I have just wanted to give up. And so many times, there have been bondages, there have been strongholds in my life. And I could have pushed through and I could have smiled here at church and y'all would have never known the difference. And I would have been miserable forever. I would not have known his sweet mercy and grace. And if you do that, you won't know his sweet mercy and grace, his forgiveness, his healing, his ability to set you free from the things that bind you, that suffocate you. I don't know what those are. And you don't have to stand up and tell everybody, but you do gotta tell him. So that's where I wanna leave this today. Um, The praise team's gonna come up, and we're gonna sing a song. And um, you know, we always say the altars are always open, and they are. And we always say that you can talk to him in your pew, and you can or in your bed, or in your yard, or in your car, or wherever. That's, that's the honest truth. doesn't have to be here. But I know he's here right now. And I know he's moving. And I believe that he stirred some of you. He's stirring me. And actually doing this today is part of my healing. And even though I asked to be able to do it, I have struggled with it all week and was trying to figure out how on earth I could get out of it last night. And obviously I knew I couldn't and I wouldn't because I know this is what he wanted me to do. So whatever your burden is, whatever your sorrow is, whatever you're yearning for, ask him. You can do it where you are. These altars are open, and if you want somebody to come pray with you, get yourself on down here. Start your journey of healing. Start unpacking what you've been dragging for so long. It'll be painful. It will. but there's no more pain.